0: Conversation at a click of a mouse. VoiceAmerica.com.
1: I we'll like this morning's session. You know, Ed Kless is a great speaker and one of the best thought leaders around, and I think that was a great way to start the conference. I love the topic, and we all know how important consulting services are to our practices. And I think Frank said it best, right? Remember, Frank? All right, and I, and I guess none of you are too busy. How many of you are too busy right now? not busy at all. Ah, there we go. Good, good, good. All right, I, I also want to mention uh, Jamie Lynn, Jamie Ray. Jamie, Jamie Ray, thank you, thank you, Diane, is not here with us, but thanks to Voice America live broadcasting our site, all of the events, she feels like she's right here and she's tweeting it, and it's making the, our members that can't be here feeling part of the group. So that is fantastic. Prince George. Hi, so, Prince George, hi to all of you there. So, well, I believe this afternoon session will be just as great and will only build on what you've learned this morning. It's going to be a fantastic session. These two gentlemen presenting for you this afternoon are the leading thought leaders in technology and digital marketing. Brian Tritt, is a lead communications expert for Intuit Canada for their accounting, QuickBooks, and profile software. He comes from a strong background in social media and has managed some of the world's biggest social media accounts, which include Ford Motor Company, Starbucks, Oreo, and of course, Justin Trudeau's liberal leadership campaign. You see how well that happened, how that happened. He is a sought out leader, speaker and has spoken at the Canadian Technology Show and has always been a fan favorite at our conference. Okay, let me see if I can pronounce this right. Leonardo Dimalo <laughs> uh, Didn't make it, sorry. I've been practicing it for like 10 minutes I still got it. Leandro Dimalo Leandro, Leandro, yep. Leandro is a senior manager of digital strategy for Intuit Canada who is a regular speaker at TED Talks. How many people know TED Talks? Great, great program, and has been revolutionizing how Intuit reaches their customers. He has worked for industry leaders such as TurboTax, Hewlett Packard, and Workopolis in developing and optimizing their search engine optimization and pay-per-click systems. And he also loves teaching boxing to youth in his spare time. Tough guy. (laughs) Well, the Firm of the Future Digital Toolbox is a great program and I want to thank Intuit for doing this for us tonight because we are all familiar and and aware of how important technology is impacting industry and profession. IPBC has always been on the forefront of these challenges. We have brought you value pricing and how important that is to your practice in this new era. A great compliment to what a firm of the future will need to have at their disposal, Brian and Leonardo.
2: Leandro? Leandro,
1: Leandro, Brian and Leandro, there you go, we will get, we'll get you up to speed on the fundamentals, the terminology and how you can use this, these digital tools to build and expand your reach. These two gentlemen are the world experts in their field and having them share their key insights in New Age digital, on the New Age Digital Toolbox will be a real treat. So please give Brian and Le- Leandro a big warm of applause.
0: Thank you. Thanks, Louis. Really. appreciate it. Guys, thanks very much for having us today. Really want to uh, just give a shout out to the IPBC. Thank you so much. This is our first year as a platinum sponsor of this event. You guys, by the way, and I'm not just pandering to you guys, our, our favorite show, in part because we know that the bookkeepers know how to party. So before we get started, I just wanted to tell you a little bit about myself, then Leandro is going to tell you about himself, um, and uh, we'll take it from there. So for those of you that don't know me, I made the mistake earlier on in life of becoming a lawyer. Uh, <clears throat> I'm a recovering lawyer today. I have managed over 60 social media brands, so today I'm going to be talking to you about social media. My first foray into social media was through meeting 109 different women through internet dating. This took place between roughly 2004, 2012. It was actually more women than you'd think um, because I was in long-term relationships in between. Um, I have some experience that I'm going to share with you today about that, and I hope that you'll find that to be interesting. If you want to talk about internet dating, I will be available at our evening entertainment (laughs) tonight. (laughs) I am engaged, in fact to be married, it was a successful story. Um, And I'll toss it over to Leandro to tell you about himself.
2: So Leandro, I have about uh, 13 years experience uh, doing digital marketing. In fact, uh, when I started my career, I don't even remember um, playing outside of digital. So I've uh, held many roles um, from design to project management to digital strategy in those 13 years. And I'm also an innovation catalyst at Intuit. So what that means is um, I actually take a look at a lot of uh, design thinking frameworks that we're going to be talking about today. may not mean a lot to anybody right now, but uh, we'll cover that off in our presentation. And as mentioned earlier, um, one of my main passions actually is uh, boxing. It's uh, my life-giving force. I still uh, get in the ring once in a while, lace them up with uh, amateurs and pros. Not as much as I I, I used to, but uh, it's still a good uh, stress reliever. Thank you.
0: So before we go on to the crux of of our presentation, the reason you guys are here, a little bit on housekeeping for you. Um, Leandro, if you want to move on to the next slide. So, for those of you who are joining us this evening, we are headed to the UBC Boathouse. Um, It will be a night of entertainment, fun. We have a two time Canadian Idol participant providing the musical entertainment. I forget his name. Um, (coughs) But he's awesome, I'm told. Uh, We also are going to have uh, some uh, drinking, dancing. You're going to be indoors and outdoors, so wear some layers if you are coming. Um, and please, uh, if, if you have any more questions, approach Rachel Clark. Rachel, are you in the room? Anyway, over to this table over here with the gentleman raising his arm. That's Bogdan. Um, these p- folks will be able to help you to answer your questions about this evening's entertainment, and a big thank you to the sponsors for that evening. Our app ecosystem partners, all of these folks are here at the show. Please go say hello to them tomorrow. To move on. Uh, <clears throat> I would also like to make a plug for our show, "Thrive." Uh, for those of you that aren't familiar with it, we have the largest accounting show in Canada for practitioners. It's very inclusive of bookkeepers. In fact, the IPBC has their own stream of breakouts this year. So uh, if you like the IPBC um, Ignite show, I would invite you to attend Thrive as well. There's a discount code that you guys can get. It's exclusive to the IPBC. Please come by our booth tomorrow if you want more information. Enough about the housekeeping. If you... I wanted to first of all tell you a little bit about who we are uh, as an organization. So for those of you who have heard this before, I apologize, uh, but I'm going to say it again anyways. Intuit was founded on Scott Cook's kitchen table somewhere in Northern California. For those of you that have actually seen this, ha- this um uh, this table in person, it sits in our headquarters in Mountain View today. Uh, the, what happened was Scott was watching his wife perform some bookkeeping exercises of, of, of her own, trying to keep her own books, um, and decided that there had to be a better way. So since then, we've kept the same mission statement, which is to improve our customers' lives so profoundly that they can't imagine going back to the way that it was. How many of you remember Quicken? Okay. Okay. How many of you still use Quicken? That's good. The Quicken was divested recently from us, um, but Quicken was really the first product that we brought to market. Now, what was interesting about Quicken is we quickly realized that although it was intended for personal use, bookkeepers and accountants started using it as a hack to keep track of what was going on in their customers' businesses, and that's how QuickBooks was born. We decided that we were going to take that to the next level uh, and actually have a product that was designed for someone to keep track of their business's expenses. We learned that through something that we've now called Follow Me Homes. And I'm telling you a little bit about this because I want you guys to understand how we approach our own marketing so that you guys can potentially take some of these ideas. This is an idea that's been written about in the Harvard Business Review and Ford Magazine, uh, Forbes Magazine. excuse me. But the idea is just that we follow our customers home. Is there anyone in the room that has been followed home by one of us? Okay, so there's a few of you. It's not creepy, I promise. But what it is, is that by following you home and seeing the way that you use our products and the way that you interact with us, we end up learning quite a bit. We also at Intuit approach everything through the lens of a startup mentality. We call ourselves a 30-year-old startup It's maybe a little bit of an exaggeration, considering we have $5 billion of revenue. Uh, But we approach this in a way that, that is unique to a company of our size. For us, although we do need to make money in order to please our shareholders, we approach things more from the lens of having to learn about our customers. So everything that we do is framed within this framework, we are trying to learn about our customers. It's the only currency that matters at the end of the day. So we set things up with a goal, a hypothesis. We decide what it is that we're assuming about our customers, and then we run an experiment, see what the results are, and iterate on it. That's how we run our marketing. That's how we run our product. So let's talk a little bit about why we're here. How many of you have seen this slide before or a variation thereof? Okay, so there are some new people. The firm of the future, there are three pillars to it. We've recognized that we are at a new point in time when it comes to bookkeeping, when it comes to accounting. There's a shift in the paradigm. We're seeing some firms are absolutely thriving. They're taking on dozens of clients a week, and others are stagnating. Some of them are even losing clients. The reason being that with cloud being such a powerful tool... Some accountants and bookkeepers are taking advantage of it. They're seeing a lot of results, and the market is very, very hot right now for cloud accounting and cloud bookkeeping. We also believe strongly that unless you are thought to be a trusted advisor by your customers, you will not survive into the next era of bookkeeping. We've already started to see signals of this. And lastly, the firm of the future, those firms that are thriving in today's economy, are all growing their practice So they're actively growing their practice. They're not just growing their practice through the means that we've traditionally done. We'll talk about that later of word of mouth. So the two items that we really are focusing on today are, number one, that grow your practice pillar, and number two, the be a trusted advisor pillar. So grow your practice. We're going to be talking about the digital marketing tools that you need. We're going to be talking about the social media tools that you need in order to be that trusted advisor as well as how you can grow your practice. Are you guys all excited? Are you with me? (laughs) Okay, good. Because I'm excited. But before we talk about that, there's a topic that I have to tackle with you guys, which is what is growth? Because we know that everybody here wants to grow in some way, shape, or form, but probably you all have different ideas of what that means. In my experience, growth can refer to a few things. The first one is, some of you want more clients. Some of you have enough clients already, and you're like, forget it. If you give me one more client, I'm going to throw myself out a window. (laughs) But some of you do want to get more clients, and we're going to talk about some of the tools that you can apply today in order to do that. Growth for others might mean getting more money out of your existing clients. How many of you are in that boat? Okay, so quite a few. And then growth for others might be a personal brand thing. How many of you like to speak at engagements like this one? So some of you do. For those of you who are interested in that sort of thing, we're going to talk a little bit about how you can grow that sort of a brand as well. Regardless, everybody in this room should probably be interested in growing their practice today in some way, shape, or form, or else you're at the wrong conference. So digital media has really reached a critical mass, so I'm not going to read all of these to you, but some of these impressive numbers are really impressive, for lack of a better word. Uh, 1.5 billion people are now on Facebook. Actually, excuse me, 1.65 billion people since the last time I did this presentation are on Facebook. So it's a lot of people. That's like India or China, and then plus some. That's pretty amazing. Uh, If you aren't on Facebook, it's time to get on Facebook. So Let's just talk for a minute about what we'll cover today, and then we'll get right into it. Our roadmap is as follows. We know that in order for you to grow your practice, and as a sidebar, in order for you to become a trusted advisor to your customers, at least to a greater extent than you are today, because many of you are already trusted advisors to your clients, you need to know his or her problem. You need to know your customer. You need to know where they hang out, at least digitally. You need to know which platforms they hang out on. And lastly, you need to be able to build your brand in a way that will resonate with your target demographic, and we'll talk about that in practical terms. So I'm going to hand it over to Leandro to take you through some of the basics in digital marketing and talk us through a case study.
2: So I actually love this quote uh, by Seth Godin. You know, marketing is no longer about the uh, stuff you make, but it's about the stories you tell. So at Intuit, uh, we're really um, focused on narrowing in on our customer. We talk a lot about our unit of one. And what that means is that uh, when we go out there and when we have all of these touch points, when we're using search, when we're using social to find these customers or clients, we want to make sure that, number one, we know them, and number two, We know what their problems are, so that when we do decide to talk to them, we're able to communicate what our value propositions are. So as you can see here, this is how laser-focused Intuit is. This is a high-level case study of um, how we run marketing and how we design marketing. So this is a um, fictional character, Alex. Alex is actually basically made up of years of data, interviews, surveys, Um, Follow Me Homes, aggregated into this one customer segment where we've actually profiled him as someone who's being 38 years old, lives in West Vancouver, he has a pretty active social life, he runs a a successful business, he loves what he does, he gets up every morning, he's always on the go, he can't wait to meet his first customers, simply, simply loves what he does every day. He's also very digitally savvy. He's always on his uh, mobile phone all the time. He's on all of the major social uh, network platforms. But we've actually noticed that as Alex grows his business, he now has a night job where he has to catch up on his bills, receipts and transactions, make a note of his taxes. And for him, he just wants to run his business. And his main question is that why can't his night job go away? So for us to become Alex's business uh, FMS, we need to understand the experience at the heart of his business, and in order for us to do that, we need to understand what uh, problems he's facing. Financial management software. Good question. So Alex's problems from day one of being in business accounting has been a major pain point for him. He's also unsure about about how to do his uh, bookkeeping and he needs uh, to invoice his customers, accept mobile payments, he needs managing uh, help with his cash flow. As mentioned, his passion is his business. He needs a solution that is easy to use and will help him make uh, decisions in real time. He also needs to be able to check his uh, receivables and manage his finances. So again, he can just spend more time doing what he loves most, which is growing his business and less time in bookkeeping or managing his finances. So because we know this about Alex, we form hypotheses about how to interact with Alex without just pushing our service or our product. So we've actually gone from, hey, Alex, buy QuickBooks into understanding his actual struggle that he faces on a daily basis. So we move from a transactional conversation with Alex, and we're actually trying to build relationships with him instead. And how do we do that? We need to reach out to Alex, places where he's hanging out. As mentioned before, he's pretty active online. When he has a question, he would probably use Google search to find out the answer. He's active on a lot of the social platforms, such as LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, And sometimes Alex actually likes to get information through his email. So here's a couple of examples of those different platforms that we just talked about. Let's begin with the search. What we try to do is that whenever or wherever Alex searches for information, we wanna make sure that we're there to answer his question. If you really think about it, Search is such a powerful tool. It's not just about awareness. When someone is actually going into Google, typing in a question, or they're looking for an information, that means they're engaged already. So either they're looking for the best accounting software, the best invoicing solution that um, would be perfect for them, they're actually engaged already. And the beauty about search is that we can be there, top of mind, at the right point and at the right time, which is at that point of need. Here's a quick example of uh, a couple of uh, QuickBooks uh, results uh, through search. Again we're occupying the top spots, which is pretty much the uh, prime real estate on a search result page. As mentioned before, Alex is also a mobile user. So when he does have a question, what he usually does is he takes his phone out and he looks for information. Again, because we know that Alex is digitally savvy, we need to be present where he is. And as a mobile-first user, we need to show up in his favorite platform. As you can see here, it's a variation of a, of a different uh, mobile ad where you actually have um, a, a click-to-call, a call-to-action within the advertising So that in the uh, um, instance that uh, Alex does not want to use his mobile phone to take a look at information, he can actually just click on the ad to call our sales sales line. So Alex doesn't uh, just use search and he doesn't just hang out online to run his business. A lot of times actually Alex uh, uses the internet to relax, to entertain himself, He may go to CNN.com to catch up on news. Uh, He may go go on YouTube to uh, watch replay of a game last week. And because we have data on Alex and we've actually mapped out uh, certain demographics around him, we can actually show up in these platforms where Alex is hanging out with display advertising such as you see here that talks about a lot of the customer benefits that a person like Alex with a small business can have uh, with Intuit. As mentioned earlier, when Alex is hanging out on YouTube, we can reach out to him. Um, An interesting fact, actually, is that YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world. A lot of people are using YouTube for entertainment, but it's also a very good platform to reach out to your audiences. It does have a lot of the uh, the data and the targeting needed for us to pinpoint if Alex is within this platform or not. If Alex is looking for a local service, we can target him via his location. If he takes a look at, uh, if he wants to search for accounting software and we've figured out that he may be in Toronto or in Ontario, we can actually notify Alex that, hey, Alex, we actually have a solution for you locally. So what are the channels you should care about? I think the main channel that uh, a lot of digital marketers are really focusing on is search. And why is that? Actually in Canada, Canadians love using search engines. Within the past uh, two years, we've actually seen a four point growth, Canadians using search engines to fuel their uh, need for information. We went from about forty-eight percent to 52% uh, in the span of two years. It's also interesting to note that traditional uh, platforms where people would advertise or where people would find information such as the yellow pages is declining. A quick anatomy here of uh, search results. You can see the uh, the, the top uh, green arrow over there. Those are paid listings. What you can actually do is if you are running advertising on search engines, you can actually pay your way to the top. What these engines are using is an actual auction or bid uh, model where you typically bid to get to the uh, higher position. In the middle here, we have an organic search result. This is actually a free result. It's, um, it's a bit tricky to, to get ranked uh, free or organically in engines, but the main idea here is that when we're building content that we want to serve to our customers, it needs to be of value, and it can't be light or fluffy, because if it is, it serves no purpose to the user. And what uh, search engines really do well is that they make sure that they put the user first, and if you have that valuable content, then you will most likely rank on top of the uh, organic results. The uh, third part of the anatomy is local search. In this example, someone is looking for bookkeeping, That could mean many things, and for the engines to really make sure that they're giving the user the uh, right result without that much context, it's actually asking the user if he was looking for a bookkeeping professional within this area, and what they've highlighted here is the location of the, uh, the bookkeeping firms.
1: So,
0: guys, at this point of the presentation, I realized that I neglected to mention something. Normally, it would be considered rude for you to pull out your phones um, and to type away on them. But for the purpose of our presentation, because social media features so highly, I encourage you guys to pull out your phones and tweet about my presentation. (laughs) And Leandro's presentation, too. So a couple of things that I wanted to mention to you guys. So in addition to the importance of search, which has been important for a long time and continues to become more and more important, social media has just completely jumped off the charts, especially video. So if you guys are feeling comfortable in front of cameras, I'm not particularly comfortable in front of a camera, but some of you are. There's not a lot of competition out there right now in terms of your field of people who are recording videos on, for example, how to use QuickBooks. Hint, hint. (coughs) So I would highly recommend to those of you who feel comfortable doing it, take a look. There are a lot of programs out there that are super easy to use. One of them is called Camtasia, like Fantasia, but cam in front of it instead of fan. Um, And That's a program that you guys could use to record your own short videos. You can even throw your little face up in the corner while you're talking someone through, for example, how to use QuickBooks uh, or talking someone through how to keep their books in a a way that won't get them in trouble with the government, um, for example. There's a whole bunch of statistics here um, that you can take a look at, but 85% of Canadians have a Facebook account. That means that 85% of your customers are on Facebook. If you guys aren't where your customers live, there's a problem. In fact, the statistics show, based on the IPBC study of last year, less than 85% of you are on Facebook. So there's a disparity there which should be equaled out. You guys should be looking into Facebook, absolutely. The other thing that's probably really interesting about this particular slide is that more Canadians are watching YouTube than any other country in the world. And again, there's an absolute dearth of video content out there at the moment. So I would highly encourage you guys to look into this. But between social and search, uh, those are the top three sources of information. Other digital platforms to consider. I'll let Leandro tell you about non-social platforms first.
2: Yeah, going back to uh, search again, we will take a look at how to rank uh, highly on search engines without paying for it. If you guys remembered earlier, we had organic listings in search engines, so those are actually free. What uh, we need to take a look at is, again, going back to that unit of one customer and putting them ahead of our needs is what makes good SEO. I always tell people that uh, whatever's good for the customer, is good for search engines. So an example here is that if I was actually looking for inheritance tax credit or student tax deductions. As you can see here highlighted in yellow, we have a couple of listings coming in from TurboTax, which provides a lot of really rich information. It's not talking about product. It's not selling anything to you. It's actually just putting its brand in front of you as a a conduit for help. Because we have all of this rich content within our platforms, we're ranking highly in engines. And because of that, we're getting a lot of visibility. So if you take a look at the amount of searches that are happening, let's say, in tax season, how valuable would it be for your brand to be up there, again, at uh, at the right moment, at the right time, at that time of need, when someone is actually searching for information about something that they need to figure out. It's pretty valuable, right? So that's the power of search engines, the power to build valuable content. We need to take a look at actually adding value to uh, people's needs instead of producing content that's very thin or fluffy, that doesn't solve anyone's problems. So the focus here, I just wanted to reiterate, is that Building that content that resonates with people, that solves their problems, is going to be key in a very sound SEO strategy.
0: Before I go any further, how many of you prepare more than five returns in a year, tax wise? Okay. When would you think is the optimal time to start getting your blogs, for example, up on, so, on, uh, up on your blog <laughs> so that? Somebody who needs to get their taxes done would find you. I don't know the answer. I'm going to have to let Leandro answer that one.
2: It would actually be uh, weeks. So anywhere from four to uh, six weeks would be optimal. That way, when you create the content, the engines actually have enough time to crawl it, uh, index it, and match it up and see how valuable it is compared to other people's content that, that are out there.
0: So that would be January or February. Let me tell you a little bit about social media. So this is from the IPBC study last year. Um, 62% of you are getting business from Facebook. 24% of you are getting business from Other, which in this case would include LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Between the two of them, that's a whole lot of business having, happening on social media. If you are not among those people, I highly encourage you to get going on that. Facebook is one of the places you want to be for multiple reasons. Again, 1.6 billion people, 85% of Canadians are on there. And in fact, the numbers are really high for the number of people that are logging on there every single month. Facebook is really a personal channel. It's a place where you go to go take a look at pictures of your friends, to go catch up with your high school friends and take a look to see how old and fat they got. It's becoming also a great place for people to network with one another. Uh, I saw Rachel Fish is at the room. She's at the back. Rachel, would you wave hello? Jenny Moore, I saw you also somewhere. There you are. These are two people who started Facebook groups that have become absolutely thriving locations for people to exchange information with one another. Virtually, in spite of the fact that these people live across the country, they are interacting with one another on there in ways that I never thought would happen. People are exchanging information about how to use QuickBooks, about how to deal with tough clients, etc., etc. It's an awesome resource. If any of you are not already there, I highly recommend that you look into it. In terms of advertising, it's also a very powerful destination. Leandro, let me know if, if I miss anything here. But there are at least 10 different calls to action that you can put into a Facebook ad. They can vary from anything from just plain old engagement. I want someone to like, share, or comment on my post to something that is driving website traffic to something that could end up resulting in specific lead generation. So if these are things that interest you, Facebook is a great venue for that. You can also target people based on where they are If, for example, you don't like it when your customers are on their mobile phone all the time, I'm sure that many of you do like that, but if you didn't, you could target people who were only on your desktop computer, for example. If you only want people who are on the go all the time because those people happen to make very good QBO customers, um, then you could target people who are only on their mobile. It's really quite neat. On top of that, you can use custom audiences. So your email, for example. How many of you have an email list? So did you guys know that you could upload that email list to Facebook and do what's called remarketing to them? So in other words, you could send them an email, you could send them a phone call, you could also have ads appear on their Facebook timeline. Now, I know this is getting really creepy, but trust me, if there's one thing I learned about internet dating, it's that you can see someone in multiple locations over a short period of time and suddenly it feels like your best friend's. So, for example, if you guys are seeing me now for the first time, then we hang out tonight at the boathouse, and then after that, you see me again tomorrow at our booth, we're going to feel like we're best friends already in spite of the fact that you and I probably haven't spent much time together. Well, the fact of the matter is the same thing applies to social media. If you get an email from me, if you see my tweet, then you see me on Facebook, then you see a Facebook ad, then you see another email from me, it's like, oh my God, this guy is everywhere. He's got to know what he's talking about. So there is a relationship between trust and the number of times that you've seen someone and in- interacted with them. We'll talk about that later. Twitter is a much more public-facing venue. And in some ways, there's a much better opportunity for you to engage with a- an audience of strangers on Twitter because everything on Twitter, unless you've set your settings to a different uh, setting, everything on there is public. So you can find somebody who has a shared interest with you and start engaging with them right away. It's also a very social platform. I see Marnie is in the audience, she's right over here. Marnie is like the social butterfly of Twitter, she's amazing at it. If you guys are looking for uh, someone to, to mimic, I would uh, suggest you check out Marnie's Twitter handle. Marnie, what's your Twitter handle? At Marnie Stretch. M- at Marnie Stretch. I grabbed it. There you go. <laughs> Twitter also has its own unique set of ads, but they're limited in scope. You can promote a tweet, A tweet is the thing that you put up on Twitter, by the way, for those of you that don't know. You can promote your account so that you can get more followers, or you can promote a trend. Promoting a trend is probably a little bit too advanced for the folks in the room. If you think it would be of interest to you, come and see me tomorrow at our booth. I'd be happy to talk you through it. But what you are able to do is a number of different call to actions which might be interesting to you. So, for example, you can drive website traffic by asking people to click on a particular button. You can have people fill out forms so that they have a proper lead that you can then follow up on them with, or you can promote sales and giveaways. Not that you guys should have a lot of sales. Talk to Ron Baker about that, but if you do, this would be a way for you to broadcast that. You can also remarket to people on any of these websites, by the way. So if you have that email list, again, you can upload it to Twitter. Guess what? They're going to see an ad from you on Facebook. They're going to see an ad from you on Twitter. They're going to think you guys are everywhere. It's fantastic. LinkedIn has a lot of the same capabilities from an advertisement perspective. We've found typically, at least I've found historically, I don't get a lot of great value out of advertising on there. But LinkedIn is a fantastic venue for you to learn about what people are interested in. There are sales tools. If You you will actually have to reach out to LinkedIn directly to take a look at them. That will allow you to have greater access to things like geographic location and industry. So if you were to deep dive on a particular type of client, if you really wanted to reach that niche, there are additional tools available from LinkedIn directly. If you go to their website, you can find an address where you can ask about those sorts of things. They're not cheap, just to warn you. This is what LinkedIn advertising looks like. You have two choices. You can either have a sponsored update, they're called, which means that's your timeline, basically. That's that kind of a post. Or you can put a text ad, which you can see on the right-hand rail here. There's a whole bunch of different targeting options there as well. You can target by things like geography, profession, etc., etc. So it's a a really neat tool as long as you can afford the high price that goes along with it. Leandro, did I miss anything about uh, advertising on those channels?
2: Yeah, actually, um, on the remarketing portion, you don't need to just upload um, your email addresses to these platforms. You can actually add a pixel on your web page. So what happens is that when you when they go visit your website and they take a look at your information and they're still shopping around, when they log in into Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, you can actually retarget them that way. I don't know if you guys have, seen, have gone to, um, let's say, a, tra- a travel website. You were taking a look at... Uh, cheap flight to Mexico, you land on Travelocity or Expedia, you take a look at the, the results, you're still shopping around, and then the moment you log into uh, Facebook, there's, there's an ad there with a 10% discount, right? So, just wanted to add that, Brian. That's a good point.
0: YouTube, I've mentioned this again, our CEO likes to say repetition doesn't ruin the prayer, so I'm going to say it one more time. There are not a lot of people who are recording videos on YouTube in your profession. This is a real opportunity for you to get out there. On top of just your general organic, organic, by the way, is the opposite of paid. So that means you're not paying for people's eyeballs. Organic means that you're actually getting things out there uh, through means of of people finding you the way that you intended them to find you. But it acts as a central repository for all of your your videos. Um, I've seen some of you put up great video content on on YouTube, people in this room. Um, There should be a lot more of it, frankly, though. From an advertising perspective, there's also a great capacity within YouTube to advertise. Uh, So you are able to target people specifically in certain types of industries, certain ages, certain locations that you would be able to get an ad out in front of them about your organization's services, um, and you don't need to have a lot of money to do it. So you only pay in all of these instances for the people that see or click on your ads. In fact, if within 30 seconds on YouTube somebody hasn't seen to the, the end of the 30 second clip, you're not charged at all. That's just more awareness and it's free. In terms of emerging platforms on social media, there's a few of them that I'd like to draw your attention to. These are probably the ones that would be your next down on the list. So after you've hit the ones that we've already discussed, you probably will want to check some of these out. Instagram, believe it or not, has the highest engagement rate. And it kind of makes sense. It's kind of like Facebook, only all dessert. All it is is photos and videos. So it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a great place for you to have your clients get to know who you are on the personal side, because believe me, um, there's a good reason why your clients should know who you are personally. I'm gonna get to that in a moment. Snapchat is very popular among young people. And when I say young people, I mean like young people. Um, <clears throat> but if you're interested in reaching people on young, who are young people, who are millennials, that may be your specialty. Um, If that's the case, Snapchat is a place where you will want to be and want to check out. And then lastly, video, like I said, is absolutely climbing up the charts. If you guys are interested in doing live Facebook video, Facebook Live it's called, there's a real opportunity for you to connect with your customers in real time. So practical guide to social networking is what I wanted to get into next I think at this point, you guys have listened to me drone on for quite a while. Um, Does anybody need a bathroom break? Okay. So I'm going to get into social networking in that case, since nobody needs to go to the bathroom. One thing that you guys should all be aware of is that whatever you put on the internet, whether it's something that's digital or social or both, is going to be there forever. And on top of that... Odds are, even if you set your privacy settings to really, really high, you're probably going to be exposed. I found a while back there was this plugin in Chrome that let me see people's private photos on Facebook. It was really scary and also very interesting. (coughs) So what I would suggest to you guys is that regardless of personal or professional or public, or private, don't put anything on there that your mother wouldn't be okay with. And when I say that, I mean if it's controversial, don't talk about it. I don't care, you guys can do whatever you want on the weekends, but if it involves doing something that people would not like, I suggest you don't post about it. And yes, we all have college roommates who will post embarrassing stuff about us, but you have to understand it's a risk you have to take And it's okay if people find out that you used to party on the weekends or weeknights. Now, Elaine doesn't actually know that she's in this deck. She's right over here. Elaine um, taught me something about how you can leverage social media that I had never really thought of before, and I think it's absolutely brilliant, and I hope she doesn't mind. I'm going to share it with you today. Elaine told me that she will actually follow her clients on social media so that she'll know what's going on with them. And that means that if someone comes into her office, she's probably aware that they just got engaged or just got divorced or just got married or whatever it is, or that they had a kid. And on top of that, she's able to actually see that they have a promotion going on because she's following their business site as well. So she'll know, oh, it's 30% off of this product. And all that before they've even got into her office or before she's picked up the phone or had a virtual conversation with them, she's aware of all this stuff. The first thing that you guys should be doing is following your clients on social media. This is going to up your game immensely. People are going to be very impressed. At least I would be. In terms of setting up your profile, I'm not going to get into too much depth here, but I will tell you a couple of things that I learned from internet dating. So one of them is and in the real world, this works the same way. How many of you, and it's okay if, if you're too shy to raise your hand, I'll understand, but how many of you have tried to ask out a stranger at some point in their lives, just out in public? I can't be the only one. <clears throat> it's true. At one point, I tried to ask out someone on the street. Let me tell you something. It is difficult to ask out somebody that is completely indes- just completely nondescript. So somebody who doesn't have anything unique about them, just looks like everybody else, they are probably somebody that is hard to approach. If they're wearing the world's ugliest necklace, I have a reason to talk to them. (laughs) The same thing goes with setting up a social media profile or an internet dating profile, incidentally. If you want to tell people about yourself, they are more likely to engage with you because they may be looking for a bookkeeper, but the fact that you do rock climbing on the weekends is something that they do too, and they think to themselves, oh, this is kismet. Hey, guess what? I'm in the market for a, a bookkeeper. I also happen to be a rock climber. I think the two of us should go for coffee and sit down and see if we're a good fit. That sort of thing does happen. So, be sure to include things like, on any social media profile, whether we're talking about Twitter, or we're talking about uh, LinkedIn, or if we're talking about Facebook, include your professional information. Even if you're afraid of worlds colliding, at the very least, put down where you work. Because you never know, somebody in your network probably needs your services, and they may not even know what you do for a living. Use a professional headshot if you can, pretty much the same thing across every single site, or put a photo of something that is recognizably you. Now, some of us have stalkers, I understand, you don't want to put your actual face on, online. If you cannot, for some reason, put your real face on your social media, my recommendation to you is get, a, um, get somebody to draw a picture of you and put it up instead. And at the very least, You should put something up on your social media sites that's interesting. If it's not interesting, you're less likely to get engagement. People really react to photos. They don't react to words. Remember that. People won't even read whatever you write. (laughs) In terms of your biography, make sure you describe your role. If you're not the president, if it's not you're not the owner, make sure that you describe what it is that you do, and tell people, for goodness sake, about your passion or your interest, unless it's something really embarrassing. Lastly, for LinkedIn specifically, it is very important that you fill out your profile completely, because if you don't, you are losing out on SEO on LinkedIn, and I'm sure Andrew could tell you something about that. This, by the way, Scott Zandberg, is sitting over there, uh, he's our... Um, profile marketing lead, as well as our accounting marketing lead. He'll be talking tomorrow morning very early. I'm going to go into building your brand. Yes, go ahead. Thank you for that. Yes, it's a great point. She was saying that she likes to check into her, her clients' businesses and see what's going on, what sort of services they offer that might be able to match up to theirs. Did I get that right? Oh, I see. So she'll actually check in. There's an option to check in. You can tell people you were in X location on Facebook. She will do that when she's at her client's offices. So in terms of building your brand, Um, Leandra, would you like to take this one? Okay. I'm getting tired of hearing my own voice. So many of us, when we approach social media especially, but brand building in general, think to ourselves, I really want to advertise. But if you want to advertise, you are probably doomed to failure. So what's the difference between advertisement and content? And that's really the crux of what it is that we're going to get into today. Advertising is when you say what you want to say. But that's not particularly useful to somebody who's not interested in what it is that you have to say. Content is what will help you to build your brand. Content is saying what it is that they actually want to hear. The only way that you can do that, like Leandra was saying earlier, is by knowing your customer inside and out. And I'm sure that many of you do know your customer inside and out, but we'll talk a little bit more about that. So before I get going on the next section of our presentation today, I wanted to check with you guys just to get sort of a gut check on where you guys are. How many of you know what SEO means? Very good, search engine optimization. And how many of you know what a tweet is? Okay, okay, that's good. And how many of you know what remarketing is? Because that was a trick, because I already told you what it is. Leandro, was there anything else that you wanted to know whether they knew? No. Good. I would like to know, of you in the room, no judgment, how many of you have a Facebook account? Okay, almost everybody. How many of you have a Twitter account? Okay, almost everybody also. How many of you know what your Twitter handle is? Okay, that's getting, getting down to the lower amounts here. Everybody here on LinkedIn? What about on Pinterest? Okay, a few of you. How many of you are on Instagram? The Dessert of the social media world. And are any of you on Snapchat? Yep. Okay. So some pretty socially savvy people in the room. That's good to know. Does everybody here know what Google Places are? Okay. So a good number of you. I'm pretty impressed. So before we get into branding more specifically, a couple of the reasons why you want or you should want to brand yourself I'm going to go through right here. So content helps to build trust, and I'm going to talk about that in a little bit more depth later on. But the crux of it is, the gist of it is, that if people see you often and they interact with you regularly, that essentially forms, and it may be in their minds and not in your minds, a long-term relationship of trust. Trust is what causes loyalty, and loyalty is what leads to advocates. So your word of mouth can be that much more effective, that much more efficient, if you put out content that will help you to establish trust. Being a maven is another important one. So a maven is somebody that is known to be an expert in their field. We all have mavens in our lives, whether we acknowledge them or not. How many of you have a guy before you buy your computer that you run it past him? Because that's your maven. I have a guy. If if I'm your guy, by the way, you're in big trouble, (laughs) computer-wise. This is something that was identified by Gladwell, Malcolm Gladwell, who, by the way, is going to be speaking at QuickBooks Connect. Um, How many of you have read his book, The Tipping Point? So just a few of you. So Malcolm Gladwell talks a lot about consumer behavior, that's his, his field of expertise or at least one of them. Consumer behavior is the psychology behind purchase decisions and it's something that you all should probably be aware of if you're going to be effective at both social media and content more generally. <clears throat> Lastly, the grandfather or the founding father, however you want to put it, of, of uh, this sort of study of consumer behavior, his name is Cialdini. He wrote a book called Influence and he talks about the effect of being an authority. Basically, what being an authority means is if you walk around in a lab coat, people will show you their rashes. It's gross. You don't want to do that, but trust me, it happens. If you look the part and act the part, people will perceive you to be the part. So in your content, these are two crucial things that you want to establish. Number one, that you are a maven. If somebody comes to you and they say, what FMS should I use? The answer, of course, QuickBooks. But you guys should be the ones to be perceived to be the experts. Being an authority, also, you guys want to look the part, act the part. That means if you show up to your meeting with a Class A client, you guys do not want to be looking schlubby. You want to look successful. A couple of fringe benefits of building your brands. I can tell you, having worked for Ford, and I don't know why I put up a GM card here, <coughs> But when I worked for Ford, just by virtue of having a high clout score, clout, by the way, a ranking of how influential you are online, we would give you a car just for the weekend. Go for a trip. Here's a Mustang. Enjoy. Networking obviously comes with its own benefits. You guys have probably all found clients from each other at some point or another. Career advancement for those of you that don't run your own business. And lastly, exposure, all great things for your business, all great things for you personally. But let's address some of the excuses. I realize some of you are not active on social, you're not building your brand today, and let's talk about some of the reasons why. One of the things that comes up often is, I'm about to retire, so why am I going to bother learning this whole new thing and investing a whole lot of money, especially when I'm as busy as I am? The answer is your social equity and your digital brand are sellable assets. And I think that if you guys were talking to yourselves, you would probably advise yourselves as such. So if you build it, it's worth more money, it's a worthwhile investment. The question of who has the time, I mean I know you guys are literally right now in meetings with your clients. I understand that, I'm a busy guy too, but the fact of the matter is, it's something that you need to make time for. So we'll talk about this later on in the conference, but you can learn about, for example, how you can save time by using some of the cloud technology that we have today. You can learn about some of the other ways that you'll be able to save more and more time this tax season, for example, using Profile, enough about our products. But I will say that you are going to be saving more and more time, and as a result, you should be able to devote the time to building your business. I'm afraid of identity theft. This is another one that comes up from time to time. I had my identity stolen last week, in fact. Someone's opening up credit cards in my name and all over the country. It's uh, it's not pleasant. Uh, But I can tell you that it's a risk that you have to take in today's environment. It's something that you just need to accept. Like internet banking or using Gmail or whatever it is, there is a risk that comes along with it, but the reward far outweighs the risk. And once you've accepted that fact, you can move on and starting to build your brand. I have nothing to say, is another one that comes up occasionally. A lot of us are on Twitter, for example. We're scoping out what other people have to say. We're checking up on the news. Fact of the matter is, you may not feel like you have that much to say. The fact is, though, that your clients would beg to differ. Your clients think that when you tell them, for example, how they can save 30 bucks a month, they're gonna be pretty happy with that kind of thing. That's something that you could absolutely share. And the last thing that I want to address today is the objection that I have a guy that does that for me, whether that's someone internal or whether that's an agency that you've hired to do it for you. The fact of the matter is people today, consumers, are very, very sophisticated, and they will smell out in an instant if you guys are not the ones that are interacting with them. In fact, I had one guy tell me once, and don't quote me on this, that paying someone to do your social media is like paying someone to sleep with your wife. I kind of agree. In terms of acceptable excuses, the only reasons that you guys should be dismissing yourself from participating in this kind of an activity, number one, none of my clients use social media. This seems pretty unbelievable to me considering that 85% of Canadians are on Facebook. But getting past that for a moment, if you deal with only, for example, people in retirement homes in the Yukon where there's no internet, I will excuse you from having to build your brand. There's internet in the Yukon. There you go. (laughs) There's internet in the Yukon. I'm aware that there's internet in the Yukon, but if your clients don't have it, and they live in a a part of the world where they have no internet, they have no desire to have it, they don't have cell phones, at that point, you're excused. Somebody else raise their hand. Yes, uh, if you could just hold on for the microphone.
1: uh, What happens in rural British Columbia?
0: A lot of people do not have power, let alone internet. You are excused in that case. Okay. (laughs) If you do not have power or internet, unfortunately, you can't participate in social media. Let's address this, this notion, people have trouble tackling the idea that mixing business and pleasure together, the idea of worlds colliding and then suddenly all my clients are going to d- despise me and think that I'm incompetent on the fact, account of the fact that I had a photo taken of me the other day of me out at the pub drunk and making inappropriate gestures. I swear it didn't happen. <laughs> but the idea that these two things cannot coexist is a fallacy. They're not dichotomous. You can, at the same time, be a fun person who lets loose when they're not at work and be the world's best bookkeeper. There is nothing stopping you from being both of these things. Again, I would draw your attention back to the fact that there is no such thing as privacy on the Internet. Whatever you put up on the Internet is going to stay up there. Somebody is going to take a screen capture of it. Do not let anybody know about the fact that you are the grand wizard of the KKK on the weekends. It is not something that you want up privately. It is not something you want up publicly. Don't do it, period, by the way. (laughs) Let's talk about the case for using digital to build your brand now. This is the way that for eons, bookkeepers have built their practices. This is a very effective way of doing it but it is not a very efficient way of doing it. Now, before I go any further, I'm gonna steal an exercise from Steve McIntyre Smith. He's a former columnist for a whole bunch of accounting magazines, he's a consultant, he's a great guy, very interesting, I recommend him highly. How many of you feel like you provide above average service for your clients? Okay, raise them high if you guys are, and keep them, keep them high up. I invite you to look to your left, and now look to your right. <laughs> Clearly, not everybody is providing the level of service that we feel that we are. Now, even if you are a world-class bookkeeper, not to say that any of you aren't, you're at the IPBC Ignite, by all rights, you guys should be the world's best bookkeepers as far as I'm concerned. But let's assume that you guys are the, the world's best bookkeepers. True. The fact of the matter is, there are 250 people who are also bookkeepers at this show. So if you can do it and do it well, somebody else is willing to do it well for less money than you are. So the thing is, in order for you to survive, in order for you to survive the onslaught that's coming up in terms of outsourced bookkeeping, et cetera, et cetera, it depends on your clients liking you. The more that they get to know you, the more that they interact with you, the better off you'll be. Because let's face it, if you wanted to call each one of your clients every single day, how much bookkeeping could you actually get done? This is the thing. Loyalty is a factor of trust. And trust is, by the academic literature, defined by how many times you have interacted with someone. So long-term, over time, interactions with your clients will lead to them becoming trustworthy of your services, and not only trustworthy of your services, but they will become loyal. Once they become loyal, that's when this happens, but at a much better rate through brand building, and I'm going to explain why. It's called virality. Every time, and most of you are on Facebook, so I'm going to assume that you're with me, but if not, please raise your hand. We can get to the, I can answer any questions you have. I will not judge you unless your questions are absolutely ludicrous. <clears throat> Virality means a third party sees your post. So if it doesn't mean going viral, although going viral does achieve this goal, but virality means when a third party sees the post that somebody else put up there. So in other words, Lee McKenzie standing over there, he's a senior product manager for QuickBooks Online for accountants. Um, if I message Lee on Facebook and I say, Lee, can you help me to fix my QBO? And he says, yes, I can. Suddenly, that acts as a tacit endorsement of his services. Even if he is talking about something completely different, completely irrelevant to the services that you provide, it could just be a, yeah, that Brian is a good guy, which happens a lot, incidentally. (laughs) That acts as a statement of me being a good person. It's a tacit endorsement. So on top of being seen by way more people than was ever possible before through social media, now we've reached a point where somebody can actually tacitly endorse you, unwillingly or willingly, doesn't make any difference, but the fact of the matter is that person has vouched for you whether they did it intentionally or not. Some practical reasons to work on your branding on top of the things that we've talked about today. Number one, if people know who you are and know what your firm represents, it's gonna be a lot easier for you to hire top talent. And I know that there are a lot of people in the room who have tried hiring people in the past and have had no success whatsoever. They've probably given up on the idea of hiring help altogether. They're gonna just do it all themselves. The fact of the matter is, it becomes a lot easier to attract top talent if you have that kind of a reputation. It will help you to learn about your customers. We already talked about some of the ways that you can do that. Thank you very much, Elaine. But on top of that, We can talk about how you can learn about the industry by connecting with your peers. You can also learn about if you decide to go into a particular niche, this is an awesome way to make sure that you are on top of the latest trends. If any of you have a bad reputation, and it could happen, there are tools out there, I'm not going to get into them in this particular talk. But if you guys have bad reviews on Yelp, for example, that's not going to help you. If you guys have bad reviews on Google reviews, on Google Maps, these things are things that could deter customers. You can counteract this fact by demonstrating that you are a thought leader and you will attract more customers who will leave you with good reviews. In fact, I recently was put in a position where somebody offered to pay me to leave them a good review of their services. This is maybe past the point of the ethics mark for me, but if you wanted to do that, that's one way that you can help to achieve that goal. It might be distasteful to some of you, including me. It can help you to acquire new customers, and by virtue of the fact that you are in front of your clients on a regular basis, it will help you to retain your customers as well. Lastly, it can increase the frequency of services from your customers, So the fact of the matter is many of you probably have clients who you see quarterly or worse yet yearly. If they're coming to you with a shoebox full of receipts, hopefully not not—you're using Receipt Bank or HubDoc, but if you are getting those people into your office with receipts on a quarterly basis, you are seeing them and probably only engaging with them once per quarter. That's not very often. It would be very easy for somebody to come in and say, hey, I can do it for a little bit less and I'm awesome. But the fact of the matter is, if you guys are building your brand, you're out in front of people on a regular basis, you are probably going to counteract that from happening. Lastly, in terms of referrals, the frequency of referrals will increase. So before I go any further, again, I just want to make a plug for a whole bunch of different groups out there. Um, I know that 66% of you roughly are using QuickBooks and QuickBooks related products. About 30-something percent of you are using profile or an internet tax uh, preparation software. There are all these groups out there on social media where you can be interacting with your peers. A lot of them are behind closed doors in case you're concerned that your clients are going to see you asking questions with other people. It is a great opportunity to network Um, If you have an opportunity to stop by and say hello to Rachel or to say hello to Tamitha or any of the girls from, uh, or any of the the, the women, I should say, from QBO and Quinty, um, I encourage you to do so and join those groups uh, because they're here today. Lastly, let's, excuse me, not lastly, but next, let's talk a little bit about attaining your goals and setting professional brand guidelines. So, For those of you who are concerned about presenting yourself in a way that might be unbecoming, these are a few guidelines that I would recommend to you to to adhere to by the letter. The first thing is, although it is tempting to do so, don't swear. If you're swearing in your public social media, you are probably going to end up in a position where people think less of you. It is not going to help you to build that brand. For photos, again, if you wouldn't want your mother or your grandmother to see it, don't post it. It's not a good idea. It's going to live there forever. People are going to see that until the day that that you die. Political discussion, not something you should bring up either. If you bring up political discussion at, at the table, at the dinner table, there's a risk of it slipping out through word of mouth, but not very bad The effects can't be drastic. If it turns out, however, that your beliefs politically do not agree with what it is that your clients believe, at that point, you are probably going to be in trouble. Shy away from sensitive issues. So again, things like abortion, don't touch them with a 10-foot pole one way or another. When it comes to personal information, less is more. So we don't need to know about the fight that you just had with your brother. Keep that away from social media. It's an opportunity for people to think less of you and to think that you are not capable of having those kinds of social relationships with people. It's better to be safe than sorry. Don't put anything up there that you don't want up there. If you're asking yourself if this could get you in trouble, it probably can, so stay away from it. And lastly, and this is an important one, don't drink and post. Because let me tell you something, although I admit to having done this myself on occasion, it's probably not the best idea. Um, I've lucked out, I think, but people sometimes will take things the wrong way. They'll think you're an irresponsible person, and you couldn't possibly be a great bookkeeper, and you don't want that. Niches are something that will probably come up over the course of of this conference. It's something that you guys should be thinking about if you're not already. This is an example of a a niche accounting firm, uh, Tax Matters for Dentists. Can I ask, how many of you focus on a particular niche? So a lot of you. The niche that you choose can help you not only to attract new clients, if you put out content speaking to that particular niche, in part because there's less competition, but also can help you to get speaking gigs if that's something that you're interested in, and can help you to pick up gigs as as trainers as well if that's something that you're interested in. And most bookkeepers, as I understand it, you guys love to teach people. I think that it's a great fit for you to be out there speaking about a particular niche.
2: Hey, Brian, let me add uh, something to that. Actually, uh, some of you may be wondering that you know, a lot of the strategies and a lot of the methods that we're presenting here is something that only big brands are going to be able to execute. Brian put up a really good point about niches. It's actually, that's a very good um, competitive advantage, let's say when you're uh, competing against someone who's bigger, who's got a lot more resources, has a lot more money. They may not be the expert in that niche area that uh, you're focusing in. So again, just uh, keep that top of mind and remember that in digital, content is king. If you guys are able to provide value to users and if it's something that's very, very specialized that not a lot of people know about, that is um, priceless.
0: And guys, we've hit 2.30, so there's a break built into the schedule at this point. Um, I understand they're going to be serving some snacks. Can anyone confirm that? If not, please don't uh, shoot the messenger. Um, So, guys, we're going to reconvene at 3 o'clock. Thank you very much, and we'll talk to you soon.